The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 50. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Dabin Mitch Krumpetich. How are you now? Good, and you? Oh, not so bad. All right. This week, we'll do a little bit of an injury update towards the end of the season here. Suns are pretty thin, and it's showing. And then after that, we'll touch on a bit of news for the GM search that it seems like Robert Sarver is getting after already, which is somewhat good news, I guess. Yeah, he, he's been moving really quickly since last July. I like it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is a new Bob. <laughs> Title of the episode, A New Bob. A New Bob. A New Year, A New Bob. David, when you edit this, we miss you, by the way, but when you edit this, title it A New Bob. Episode 172, A New Bob. Right on. Okay, and then after that, we'll do some brief game recaps. We'll talk a little bit about what happened last week in Suns basketball. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. Okay, we'll start things off. The biggest news that happened last week was the injury to Devin Booker. This happened in the Jazz game. He was going up to receive a pass in the post, jumped up pretty high for it, a little bit of contact with Royce O'Neal, I believe, and he came down and twisted his ankle up pretty good. It was ruled a sprain. It looked bad when we saw it. The arena got real quiet. Uh, Kind of reminded me of the same feeling when Ronnie Price's foot was facing the wrong way last season. It was very similar to that. Isaiah Cannon. Who did I say? Ronnie Price? Ronnie Price. Where am I at, huh? It's the end of the season. I'm a little rusty. (laughs) I miss Ronnie Price. That's what it is. But it was, yeah, it looked really tough, and I was happy to see that we just shut him down pretty instantly after that happened. We knew we wouldn't see any more Devin Booker this year, and we all are okay with that. Yeah, this looked bad, and it is like the Kanan injury. When he came down... His ankle touched the ground. His foot bent so much that his ankle came down and touched the ground. And I saw that replay, and I was scared. And it's one of those situations where all the, the everyone on the team like kind of surrounds him and is really scared. And we're very lucky that it's not anything more serious than just a sprain. Um, I know that I had said we should have probably shut Booker down earlier. I'm glad we didn't because it gave him the opportunity to go for back-to-back 15-point games and then 15, (laughs) back-to-back 50-point games, and then 48 after that, which was really cool. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a good thing we shut him down, and we're just very fortunate that this wasn't more serious. Right, and I guess the silver lining is it happened now, and... The games don't mean anything to us anymore for the rest of the season here, so right. Better now than a few months ago, I suppose. But yeah, well, and we're locked into that bottom three spot, 
it right. doesn't matter. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, it is better now than whenever else. Sure. And then the other guy, we, we've had uh, Tyler Johnson, TJ Warren, and Kelly Oubre missing, obviously. But the other newish one is Rashawn Holmes, also with a sprained left ankle. We've been really missing him with how thin we are at the bigs. It's pretty much just Spalding and Bender out there right now. It's rough. That's, that's tough. Those guys have played somewhat decent the last few games, so it's nice to see them step up, but they're being forced to. And yeah. they're getting the minutes to do it. Bender had seven blocks in the games against the Pelicans. That was weird. That that stat line, it's 11, 10, 7, and 6 for assist, six assists, seven blocks. It's the first time done in a Suns uni since Danny Manning in 94. <laughs> Oh, that's so weird. That's a crazy stat line, but it it really shows what Bender can do given the opportunity. Is that enough to keep him around, though? That's that's a different story. But I, I I've but, been enjoying this. I, I gotta yeah. say, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I think we should talk about it. Why not bring Bender back? The alternative is he'll go back and play in Europe. Pretty much, who's gonna sign Dragon Bender? No one. No one's going to sign him. If we have the space to just say, you know, we're going to give him a minimum deal, like, why would he not take that? Yeah, that's interesting. And then I saw, like, his son's Instagram post after that game he had with seven blocks. He was all hyped up afterwards. Yeah. The post-game quotes, He's. it seems like he's becoming a little more confident. It's showing on the court in spurts. But every once in a while, you can tell he's still a little hesitant about some things. But I like what the guy can do. And I'm a little worried that a team that has a little salary cap, who can afford to take a risk on a guy, maybe tosses him a little bit more than the minimum or whatever. And then who knows if Sarver or whoever's making the decisions at that time, who knows what's going to happen with that. That's true. I don't know. I just think I can't really see someone else wanting to sign him after two good games or whatever he's had this year. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any feel of like scorn after not picking up his option. Right. But I think you could maybe easily convince him that he didn't quite deserve all the money that was coming his way if we did pick that up, so... Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to be self-aware enough to realize that he underperformed. And I think it pretty much just comes down to would he rather stay in Phoenix for very little money or go back to Europe and be closer to his family probably and make more money and be more involved in the actual games. Right. I guess another thing we can kind of be hopeful for is the relationship that him and Igor have put together this year. Yeah. I'd like to say that might be helpful in a case where we'd like to bring him back for a minimum or cheap. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so without all these guys, that that was quite a bit about Bender. Let's talk a minute about Spalding. He had a game, 21 points, 13 rebounds when he got the start. That was against the Pelicans, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was... He was surprisingly good, and it's like 
you know, he's trying to make the best of his last week of the season, or, you know, potentially, I don't want to say of his NBA career, but, you know, these guys are showcasing what they can do, and they're putting everything out there because they know it's their opportunity to get a contract, and they're fighting for those spots at the end of the bench, and they don't want to be playing in the G League. So they're doing everything they can, and, I, you know, he played pretty well. Right, and, you know, I, I love when we sign these guys to deals where we can bring them back next year. Uh, maybe not so keen on the Jimmer one because I don't think he no. has a, a snowflakes chance in hell of coming back in his son's uni <laughs> next year. Not even close. No. no. But Spalding is a guy that we can bring onto our summer league squad. We right. can have him working out with the guys all year. And then especially depending on what happens with Bender, maybe this is a guy we want to keep around for the end of the bench. Yeah. And I think at least just for training camp purposes. Absolutely. Have we, him in there. we need the depth of the big men we need the big so maybe he's a good guy to keep around just for that yep but i mean i'm happy for him i'm glad he had a game like this it's you know we're not seeing it quite as much as we've seen with bender but you can see that passion in him like these guys all love the game and it's apparent and it's it's nice to see him play well oh yeah these big guys with the long wingspans who can play a little defense he looks like he's a pretty fluid athlete too yeah he had a couple rebounds where he would push the ball up the court just dribbling it himself and i wasn't ever like worried about it he looked pretty good doing it how about uh did you catch when they called the mystery travel on dragon bender when he was dribbling it up the court i think it was in the jazz jazz game it wasn't no. quite a fast break situation, but he's dribbling the ball straight up the middle of the court, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the ref blows the whistle and calls a travel. Huh. And he didn't even carry it at all. I know Bender sometimes carries the ball when he's dribbling, but this looked pretty pretty regulation-type stuff. And then all of a sudden, a travel. It That was wild. That but was weird. A little off track. But anyways, okay. let's keep it moving. Uh, it's it, this might be short and sweet thanks to no savory David McGraw here tonight, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay, the GM search. A little surprised hearing that Sarver's making moves like this, and that he's focused in on one candidate right now for next year's GM. And I even read somewhere that he was even informing people that they weren't part of the the process anymore, the the hiring process that he. Had kind of cut ties with some of the candidates but mm. so we're looking at Jeff Bauer or Bower <coughs> we're not sure but B-O-W-E-R I and say Bauer I say Bauer I thought I read Bower but I'm, I'm sure we'll see at some point maybe I'll yeah. listen to Arizona Sports and maybe Gambo will have a perfect pronunciation for us oh I'm sure he will right okay so this guy worked for the Pistons He's put in two decades of work in the NBA. He started as a scout, made his way up. And then as the GM with the Pistons, this is a guy who traded for Blake Griffin. He brought in that he brought in Reggie Jackson. So I've seen a lot of things about Pistons fans being kind of down on this guy. But I guess I wouldn't be opposed to any of those moves. And here's the one thing that this is where I draw some hope 
in this. At the end of the ESPN article that uh, was saying this was happening, it said Bauer slash Bower has led two NBA franchises, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Detroit Pistons, out of the lottery and into the postseason as a GM. And that's all I want to happen. I want a guy to come in, sign the right guys, make the right moves, get us up into the playoffs. It's been too long. Yeah, I agree. And I've got a couple things on this. Now, I've seen people saying the best he's ever done is gotten a team to the sixth seed. And he overpaid a lot of guys like Reggie Jackson or Andre Drummond or whatever. Yes, I want that. I want the sixth seed. I want to overpay a point guard who's halfway decent. Give me those things. It You have to take these small steps, and I think the sixth seed and a halfway decent point guard, that's not a small step. That would be huge for us. So I I guess I can see where people are coming from. They want, you know, their, their ultimate goal is not to be a sixth seed, but... You've got to start somewhere. So I I like the end of that article as well about taking teams from the lottery to the playoffs. The other thing is, do you know who else Bauer slash Bower drafted? Who? There's a there's a big name who he drafted. Chris Paul. He drafted Chris Paul. Ah. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. I I mean he also drafted Stanley Johnson. But he drafted Chris Paul. He also drafted Luke Kennard. But Chris Paul, they're not all going to hit. That's true. I'm not even so much worried about the draft as, I don't know, big picture. You can mess up a draft pick. Maybe not if we're picking one or two. You can't afford to miss those. But lotto picks I'm not mad at. Uh... Yeah, but like you were saying, you have to take small steps. It's not going to be a leap. We're not going to sign the best GM to ever GM in the NBA, and all of a sudden we're right. we're fighting for championships each season. It's not going to work like that. Right. Well, and we've talked about this too. No one wants to work for Robert Sarver. The Suns are a laughing stock of this league, unfortunately. So the fact that we're even having a conversation with this guy is a positive sign to me. Right, but speaking of the meeting, this is so weird to me. I I know that they're sort of buddies, and Fitz Ger- Larry Fitzgerald has said great things about Robert Sarver, but Larry Fitzgerald and James Johnson are joining Robert Sarver in the meetings with this guy. Why? James Jones. Yeah, did, who? Yeah, am I just butchering names? <laughs> no, I've, I'm usually the one who does that. Because, and this is what happens, I tell the same story, I played against James Johnson's brother in football when I was in high school because James Johnson is from Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I'm from Casper, and his brother was my age. But anyway, okay. James Jones. James well, Jones and Larry Fitzgerald are joining Robert Sarver for these meetings, which is weird. Yeah. So, why? Why, why is that happening? I think... You know, to me, I think it's... We're just trying anything we can. I feel like Larry Fitzgerald is a very well-respected athlete, just in general. I've never met anyone who doesn't like Larry Fitzgerald. 
before I lived in Phoenix, and many of you know I'm a huge Broncos fan, but I had a Larry Fitzgerald jersey because I like him so much. I wouldn't, you know, the Cardinals are fine. I don't dislike them, but I don't really follow them or anything. Uh, but Larry Fitzgerald is awesome. Everyone loves him. So if you have him on your side, why not? It's, it is a little weird. It seems a little bit desperate, kind of, but we are desperate. So yeah. why not try getting a little bit creative? Yeah, you know, if you just ask me the question, do you, tr- do you trust Larry Fitzgerald's judgment? I'd say yeah. Yeah. So yeah, why He's not? He's a stylish guy. Oh he's yeah, a, he's a Big great points. athlete. Big points there. He's he's nice. You know, he does a lot for the community. Yeah, I can see it from those points for sure. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah, nice, good athlete, and stylish. That's what I need for trust. I, I meant I was talking more. <laughs> does great things for the community. That's what oh. I was kind of leaning oh, in on there. Okay. You oh. know. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But how? What do we think about James Jones? Technically interviewing guys to replace him that's interesting but to me it seems like james jones must know how temporary this is yeah i i now i have nothing backing this but i could totally see sarver saying we're just gonna go with you for this season we'll keep you in the front office but don't expect to be the gm at the end of the season or I should say the end of the season, the beginning of the next season. Yeah. Like it's temporary. We know it's not your role. It, I don't even know if James Jones wants this role. So I could see him just being informed. This is temporary and knowing his role is going to be something different and just being on that same page. Yeah. It'd be nice to know that he did have plans of sticking around here and maybe what his role would be next year, because it yeah. seems like this is a guy who, wants to be in an NBA front office. Right. And, I mean, does he want to spend this time working under Robert Sarver and then now under someone else potentially who's under Robert Sarver? That might be interesting, but I don't know how many... You assume some other teams would throw James Jones a bone and say, hey, come do this for our front office. Yeah, I would think so, too. He is a very well-liked former player. Yeah. He's got a lot of good relationships. And that's why I want to keep him here in some oh yeah, some extent. He needs to be here just for that relationship with players in the league today. Definitely. And guys that we're targeting are guys that definitely played with and against him. The, the veterans that have made their marks in the NBA that can still help teams. That's what we need to bring in next season. Right. And without Tyson Chandler, we don't have anyone that there's no one on our team right now that we can say, Oh yeah, other guys have played with or against this guy for a long time and they're well-respected. We have no one. Well, Jamal Crawford. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, but Jamal. Jamal's not going to be on the team after Tuesday, basically. <laughs> I'd, I'd assume that. Okay, let's move it on. Talk about uh, last week's games a little bit. We split the games, actually, uh, with wins against the Cavaliers and Pelicans. Then we lost against the Jazz and the Rockets. And 
I don't know, Mitch, where do we start off? Do we talk about a win against the Cleveland Cavaliers who are in a very similar position to us? Well, you know, this was a weird week. All of these games were weird. We were also without Aiton in this Cavs game, and I know we were talking about injuries at the top, but Aiton has been out, and I think we talked about that last week too. But um, all I really have to say about this is it's kind of funny to see Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris play against us again, and to see Brandon Knight get blocked really hard was kind of awesome. I guess the talk was Booker and Jackson were going after Knight verbally quite a bit throughout the yeah. entire night, and obviously on the court too, Jackson with that block, but... Right. Uh, I like that for some reason. I don't know. Maybe that shows that Brandon Knight wasn't the best teammate while he was here, and these guys finally got a chance to let him know how they felt. Yeah, and the thing I heard was that the Cavs bench was telling Booker, you're not going for 50 tonight. And he was just like, fine. Okay. We're going to win, though. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's the Cavs. They're also terrible. I don't know. It's like it's like watching an argument. It's like watching two people who don't really know anything about a specific topic argue. Like if me and you tried to argue about quantum physics right now, like it wouldn't go well. No. And we could pretend we knew what we were talking about, but someone who actually knew what was going on would be like both of these guys are idiots. Yeah. So, that's kind of what this was like to me. Yeah. And it's funny because Booker ended up with 25 points, 13 assists in this one. He shot 8 for 18 from the floor, and I saw people online saying he had an off-shooting night. Like 8, eight for 18? 18. Yeah, I mean, we can't <laughs> be used fine. to what he did the three previous games where he combined for 150-some points, which right. is insane. Yeah. But if, if Booker's going to go for 25 and 13 every night, shooting 8 for 18. You can't call I'll take no, that. No, that's all great. Year. That's, that's great. That's crazy talk, but yeah. It's like as Suns fans were spoiled and spat on at the same time. <laughs> it's it's yes. weird. It's weird being a Suns fan. It is. Like this time of year too. It's so odd. Yeah. And okay, talk about it's weird being a Suns fan. And I, I guess you'll probably be able to pick up what I'm talking about here, but when the Utah Jazz come to town, it's absolutely bonkers in that stadium, and it's so weird, and especially since bringing back Jimmer, Ugh. bringing Jimmer here. that Ugh. It was so terrible in that stadium because there were chants, like, bring in Jimmer. They wanted Jimmer to come in. Uh, tons of Utah fans. Like... Uh, Joe Ingles hit a couple threes in the corner right in front of some jazz fans sitting courtside, and they were celebrating together. Oh, it's so upsetting. I can't stand it. We don't, it's like we don't own our arena. No, and it's, you know, I went to the Diamondbacks game against the Red Sox on Saturday, and I don't know, I was thinking about it on my walk over. Okay. You know, we sit right behind the visitor's bench for now at the Suns games, and we're used to that. 
So I got tickets to the Diamondbacks game behind the visitors' dugout just because I like to sit on the first baseline. I, 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 this is where I like to sit. And I'm walking over, and I'm like, you know, the stadium's a lot bigger. I think baseball games are a little bit more accessible. They're a little cheaper. The tickets, the team's a little bit better. I think D-backs fans are going to really show up. And I'm not saying they didn't, but I was surrounded by Red Sox fans. And it was so annoying. And they were standing, like, where I sit is like the cutoff of where people can stand before the game to like take pictures and like people are crowding my seat and it was it reminded me of when we played the Celtics earlier this year and stupid Marcus Morris hit that game winner yeah and I I don't know I just it's not just the Suns that have this problem no it's it's really frustrating and yeah, Utah, that's a really frustrating one because you know it probably wouldn't be quite as bad if Jimmer wasn't here. And everyone knows how I feel about Jimmer. I don't like having him on the team. Well, I'm how nice salty. has it been watching him get phased out of his little oh, his little trip I know. here? I've been enjoying that personally. Yeah. Like, dude, we're this thin on guys, but we have we this many guards yeah. in front of you that you're still, like barely going to even see the floor I kind of I'm enjoying that a little bit it it slightly makes up for the 2012 NCAA tournament (laughs) game slightly Rob Sacre man he he deserved a better ending to his career yeah now that's a Robert I can get behind I like that (laughs) I agree okay let's move it on Pelly's game and we were talking a little bit the last game against the Pelicans was so weird because of Gentry calling the timeout, sending us to the free throw line to win the game. That was really weird, but this one was just as weird, but for different reasons. Yeah. I think one of the weirdest things about this game was the starting lineup for on both sides. So for the Suns, we started Elia Kobo, Josh Jackson, Mikhail Bridges, Dragon Bender, and Ray Spaulding. Ray Spaulding getting his first start and playing well, like we talked about. And then for the Pelicans, they started Kenrick Williams, which I had to click on his name because I didn't know who Kay Williams was. Ian Clark, Alfred Payton, Jaleel Okafor, and Julius Randle. What? Is that the weirdest set of 10 players in the league? Yeah. That's pretty weird, for sure. I mean, I guess the Bulls are... I think they're starting Jakar Sampson. That's pretty weird. Shout out Jakar. He's actually a nice guy. He was he played for the D-League team I used to work for. But that's so weird. And then Ray Spaulding has 21 points on 10 for 13 shooting and 13 rebounds. Like, he played really well. And Josh Jackson goes for 35 points and 9 rebounds and 5 assists awesome game from Josh Jackson and then Jamal Crawford has 28 points. What the heck? Yeah, 28-7 assists from Jamal. Uh, 9 for 21 from the floor getting his shots up. Someone's got to do it at that point. And Right. And then this game so toward the end in the final seconds, Igor did the thing where you tell the ref, if we get this rebound, I'm going to call a timeout immediately off of a free throw. 
he thought we got the rebound, but we didn't. The Pelicans had possession. He still called a timeout. So that's a technical. So the game ended up being tied at the end of regulation. And it went to overtime. And I was just like, this has been a terrible game. Why is this going to overtime? We don't really deserve to win. And then it went to overtime, and we kind of dominated overtime, oddly enough. And we won. 133 to 126. What a what a weird game. Who would have thought that... Let me go through the players that played in this game. Ray Spaulding, Dragon Bender, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Jackson, Elliot Cobo, DeAnthony Melton, Jamal Crawford, and Troy Daniels. Who would have thought those guys would have scored 133 points? I know they had five extra minutes, but... If I knew those were all the guys who were playing, I would have said, no, I did say this. I said, we might score 60 points tonight, and Jimmer's going to have 50. I said that before the game. Yeah. And I was way off. I'm glad you were, because that was probably the last good game of the season we'll be seeing, unless this group does it again against the Mavs to end the year. But yeah. What? Wait, last year when we played the Mavs, who was it that like went off? Oh, uh, um, Alec Peters. That was the Peters. Alec Peters yeah. game where he had, what did he have? Like 38, po- 38, 38 yeah. something crazy. And he hit a bunch of threes. Set, the, set or tied the rookie record for <laughs> Suns three threes. made threes. Yeah. Yeah. So we could get something like that. Maybe Ray Spaulding is going to hit nine threes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think Peters played a season in Russia this year. He did, yeah. Uh-huh. I wonder how that went. I haven't followed him one bit. Ah. I liked him, though. That'll be some nice after-podcast material for us to all <laughs> yes. Google. What <laughs> What is Alec Peters doing? Where in the world is Alec Peters? Moscow. Mos- yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, weird game. I'm glad we won, I guess. All right, and the last game we're going to talk about on this episode is the Suns against the Rockets. The Rockets set a record for most three-pointers made in a game with 27. Final score was 149-113. Rockets had back-to-back 43- and 40-point quarters in the second and third. It was ugly. They just right out of the bat, right off the bat, they took advantage of us and they just kept doing it throughout the game. Just really, really shows what happens when you go against a team of the Rockets caliber without your entire starting five and even a bench guy or two. And you know what? The Rockets have something to play for. They're still kind of jockeying for the best playoff position they can possibly get. I know I talked to my dad tonight, and he was like, well, what do the Rockets have to play for? Is Harden even going to play? It's like, yeah, they're trying to get the best playoff position they can, and they're just going to destroy us and try to carry some momentum into the playoffs. And they did exactly that. It was pretty painful to watch. Yeah, and the whole defensive scheme we were using, uh, trapping Harden at the top of the key every time the ball he dribbled past half court, that led to some wide open shots by the Rockets, and they hit a ton of them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I guess I enjoy watching Igor try to figure out 
what he can do with limited resources against one of the best in the game, James Harden. I mean, he, I want to bring back Igor next year. I hope we do not. We fire have him. to. We have to. Bring we have him back. to. He's Igor's a good coach. I've said this a million times. He just needs the opportunity to work with actual players. Yep. I don't mean to disrespect anyone on this team, but come on. Let's get some talent in here. Give Booker some help. Give Booker and Aiton and Bridges, I guess. That's our core right now. Give them something to work with. I think that's where we just end it because I don't want to talk anymore about this spanking the Suns received from yeah, the Rockets. Yeah, that was bad. That was okay. bad. And, yeah, we have one game next week against the Mavericks, so watch out for the Alec Peters special if we have anything. Or maybe we'll just get destroyed because Luka Doncic, or actually, I, I like this nickname. They're calling him the Donk. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that. So... The Donk is going to be doing everything he can to try to win Rookie of the Year because Trey Young has been playing really well lately. Yeah. So it, it could be pretty bad. And it also could be Dirk's last game. Oh. He never, like, officially announced his retirement, but hmm. people have just been assuming it. So that could be somewhat interesting. Yeah. Well, it's nice that it. Yeah, it's nice that it'll be at home for him if it's his last yeah. one, too. Yes, it will. It will. So, yeah, I guess we have some interesting stuff. But then after that, the the regular season over is over, and the off season, or as I like to call it, the real season. The real begins. season for Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. But with that, we will move on to my favorite section of the show, the non-sports section of the show. Now, before we get into this, I have a couple things I have to mention. I have a couple shout-outs. Number one, last Wednesday, I was able to have a guitar lesson with my favorite guitar player, Yvette Young, from the band Covet. She was awesome. I've been trying to get a lesson with her for a long time. It went super well. I learned this crazy, like, tapping riff, which isn't actually that crazy, but for me it was. And it was super, super cool, so check out her music and her band. I'm still, like, giddy about it. It was great, and I've been practicing a lot. Also... I have to give a shout out to my Dungeons and Dragons group, specifically Joe, our DM, who won our Dungeons and Dragons bracket pool. Um, I did a bracket pool because they wanted to do one and whoever won would get some like little thing, some little advantage in the game. I was like, oh, this will be easy. I'll definitely win. No one else here cares about basketball. And Joe just so happened to per, to pick Virginia to win it all. And at time of recording, we don't know if they won or not, but he already has enough points because I obviously picked Gonzaga and that didn't go super well. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit salty, but congratulations, Joe, for winning our bracket pool and knowing nothing about basketball. Good Thank for you, you for keeping Mitch humble, Joe. <laughs> we appreciate it here. Yeah, I need all I can get. But... Now that I've got the shout-outs done, here's the, here's the question for this week. Like I said, I went to the Diamondbacks game, and they had their home opening weekend against the Red Sox. It went pretty well, took two of the three games. But my question is, if you could add one element of baseball to the NBA, what would you choose? 
See, when you say when you can add one, it makes me think a lot harder. I had a few on my mind that... Well, throw them out there and we can workshop them. I want a team to be able to bean somebody. Oh. And I'm looking okay. for an equivalent. Maybe maybe in a free throw, you can just bean a guy <laughs> like standing on the block. You can just do it, and then you get the little fight out of the way. Maybe some guys get tossed, but I think there should be a good way to take out your frustrations against the guys without just slugging right away. Okay, that's interesting. But I guess a 105-mile-per-hour heater to the dome probably is a little <laughs> worse than a punch if I had to place bets. So 105-mile heater to the dome? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that would be worse. Okay, here here we go. I got a real one. It's okay. the chatter. I don't know uh, if MLB has as much chatter as like we did back in the day playing Little League or even Legion Baseball or Club, whatever you did, but mm-hmm. I used to enjoy the chatter. Keep making sure everybody knows exactly what's going on. Maybe you're on the basketball court. You're calling out how much time's left, uh, how many fouls someone may have. I'm talking everything. Everybody knows everything. Everybody's into the game. They're making noise, calling out the screens before they even happen. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, that's fun. Hmm. I like that. So I've got a couple ideas. Uh, One, bats. (laughs) Just bats. (laughs) Just bats. Four? Um, Metal cleats also, I think, could make the NBA a lot different. Metal cleats on hardwood still? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that it would be rough. I don't actually want that implemented because it's super dangerous. But I did think about that. I have a um, story about metal cleats. Okay, hit me. Um, when I was playing baseball when I was a kid, the first year they let us use metal cleats, we were in this little small farm town playing a team, and I slid into third base. And the third baseman, I'm ta- we're 14 years old in this league or so, this kid was well over six feet tall, probably nearing 250, 300 pounds. He was a big boy, huge boy. I slid in feet first. Guy stepped on my shin, Ugh. cut holes through my socks, and I had like little line marks oh my in gosh. my skin. It was bleeding a little bit. It wasn't cut too bad or anything, but I got stepped on by a pair of those, and I and he didn't move. Oh my god! He stood on it. It hurt really bad. Oh, that's rough. Oh, wow, wow. Um, I think metal cleats should be in the game of basketball, though. <laughs> I also to go with your concept of being able to bean a guy. I want an equivalent of being able to charge the mound. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know exactly what that would look like, but I don't know. It's not that you can do that in baseball. Like it's not allowed technically, but it happens. I don't know. That's kind of exciting. Um, maybe if someone flops, you should be allow- allowed to just take it to them. Maybe, maybe. You can charge but, okay, the flop. My, my real one, though, I have a real thing. And I've always wondered about this, but this is what I would take. In baseball, all throughout the game, you have players throwing balls into the crowd. Why in the NBA do they just have one game ball? And if it goes into the crowd, they got to give it back. Why can't people keep that? 
why can't the NBA have like four or five ready to go? And if it goes in the crowd, keep it. And at the end of the game, throw the ball to a kid or whatever. I think you should be able to do that. You know, the NFL's weird about that, too. Yeah, they are. Why? I wonder what that case is. I, like, it can't I remember be back that expensive. Even, like... Yeah, I don't know. That, that is interesting. But I, mean, I could I see mean, maybe not wanting to have, you know, a set of so many balls that could be possibly inflated to different weights, even though they shouldn't, and that's easily testable. I could see maybe wanting to keep a bit of a controlled environment for the balls. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Keep four or five. I'm not saying every kid in the arena gets a game ball at the end, but if it goes in the crowd, let them keep it. It's cool. I hear you. Yeah. If, and if I, one gets I mean, swatted out of the gym into the stands... Yes. That'd be a sweet little memento to keep for sure. And I, you know, this game I was at, I saw so many, like, kids or even adults around me catching a ball. And you see the joy that it brings to them catching, whether it's from a player throwing it to them or a foul ball or whatever. It's exciting. And everyone in the crowd cheers and sometimes they show a replay or, like, some guy made this pretty amazing catch from like the 200 level and he had to lean over a little bit but he had his glove he made a really nice catch and people are cheering it's exciting all right before we end here how many like do fewer kids do the Fortnite dances at baseball games when they get on the big screen or is that a pretty pretty Um, comparable number well it's hard to say because i think in general fans are on the screen less at baseball games yeah but i I would say I've noticed less Fortnite dancing at baseball games. Nice. For sure. I appreciate that. That's what I appreciate about you. Diamondbacks, that's what I appreciate. You bet. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Last game of the season coming up this week. And then, as Mitch says, it's time for the real season. The Suns <laughs> off season. We got the draft lotto coming. We'll see some free agents coming our way, hopefully. Then the draft. Man, I hope we get a top two pick. We'll Please. we'll be talk. We'll do a bit of a season recap next week when David gets back. Go a little more in depth of this rough season that the Suns have are about to finish. So lay it to rest. Lay it to rest. Thank you for tuning in. Go Suns.